Ding, 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 ding. Am I getting on your nerves yet? Well, that's the point behind the seatbelt alarm in your car. And if you know somebody who won't listen to it, well, feel free to be annoying and remind them to buckle up. You could save their life. To find out more, go to buckleupva.com. Buckle up. Every trip, every time. A message from the Virginia Department of Motor Vehicles. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Hello, people. Welcome back to Brick City. This is The Real Charlemagne. Hey, don't forget to follow me on all platforms. I know it's been a little bit, but, you know, hey, I'm still around. So um, don't forget to follow me on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all of the above, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Yeah, definitely Spotify because my number's growing over there. So definitely hit me up over there. Um, and like I said, y'all just stay safe out there. You know, um, today, we, you know, I usually launch in the middle of the week, but this this lady, she she's She's such an inspiration to me. I met her on Clubhouse a few months ago, and um, she's very, very, very passionate about what she does. Um, she's a Southerner down in South Carolina. I'm in North Carolina, so look, we got the Carolinas on lock. <laughs> but um, without further ado, I have Shell um, Haywood. How you doing out there? I'm good. It's good over here in South Carolina. You know, we just waiting to see what a hurricane going to do. You know, it's the waiting game. Right. You look, same thing here. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I, I saw the little map. I was like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> exactly. But uh, without further ado, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, and and tell us a little bit about your passion that, that I was just talking about. Absolutely. So like you said, I'm in South Carolina. I'm a, I'm a native of South Carolina. Grew up here. And interestingly, we we're talking about hurricanes. And so I have a civil engineering degree. And in 1989, a hur- Category 5 hurricane hit the state of South Carolina. And I was 12 years old and I wanted to know how to build better buildings so that people didn't lose their homes. My aunt and uncle lost their home. And I became a civil engineer trying to do that. And so while I was an engineer, I've worked in technology transfer, technical sales, but spent the bulk of my career in heavy construction. But I was the only black woman I ever worked with in, in construction. And so I, I wanna give this mind, this frame of mind. So I literally have worked on $350 million projects to $1.3 billion projects that are three, four years long each. My employer went from 25,000 people to 50,000 people to 80,000 people, but I was still the only black woman on those projects on the job site. And so what does that look like? What is that experience like? And why was I the only one? And so when I left corporate America just over five years ago, I was like, what, how do I solve this problem? Like, how do we know, how do we tell, how do I tell other black women, right? On a larger scale and other Latinas on a larger scale and indigenous women who are scientists, engineers and technology professionals, what it's like to work for these companies. Like girl, don't go there. 
We could do that on one-on-one, right? We could do that at brunch. We might be able to do that on social, but on a large scale, how do we share those experiences? And so from my experience in corporate America, from talking to a lot of my friends from undergraduate um, women that I work with that are mostly engineers at the time, we were hitting so many barriers and I wanted to be able to change that. So I started a tech company called Positive Hire. And people like Positive Hire, you're, you're like a recruiting company. Well, if you've ever been called a diversity hire or you're only here because you're black, you're only here because you're a woman, I changed diversity hire to a positive hire because that's truly what you are. And so oftentimes white men don't get it, but white women, black women, black people, Hispanic people, they get it. And so it's really interesting who understands the name and who doesn't. So I'll, I'll, I'll stop there, but that's how I got started and where the idea for my tech startup positive hire came from. Cool. Um, that's that's pretty dope dope concept. You know, I was like, I was seeing positive hire, and then I was I was going through your website. I was like, ah, oh, this is pretty dope. <laughs> it's pretty good. So, you know, just just going, just let's take a trip back down memory lane. So, how was how was the environment for you? You know, I know you you're kind of very outspoken. How was the environment for you working in those spaces? And I, and did did that make your thing thicker, thicker per se? You know, to to adversity as you progress through the through the ranks. So how did that how did that make you feel? You know what? The thing that they teach us here in the US is how racist the South is. I worked a lot out of the South. The South is not the only part of the US that's racist, right? Mm. And so what it was like working in those places, the office culture is very different from the construction culture. And what I can say is I could be more of myself on a construction site. And what I mean is, if I'm mad because you screwed up, I'm gonna show up mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. where you screwed up my foundation. I've had a contract to screw up foundation, almost lost all the rebar, had to pull it out, but I can show up there mad. And mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily the angry black woman because everybody from the contract that was managing to our clients rep, we all showing up mad, right? Mm-hmm. So, and so there were certain instances where in construction, I could be more of myself because of what it was like culturally. But then at the same time, there were still ebbs and flows where I couldn't, where I've had literally clients rep who didn't, didn't like me, but I would say more focused on what I was doing or not doing. Henceforth, I was taken off of a project a few months sooner than later, right? Mm-hmm. And so we try to like, oh, well, why don't you get her to do X, Y, and Z? And so I would have, but you need to have somebody supervisor. Mind you, I've been in this industry probably as long as he had. Well, let me take that back. He was at the utility company that we were building high voltage transmission lines for. Mm-hmm. He didn't know construction. I knew construction. Right. And the person from my company came out to supervise me. The guy was like, yeah, they, I knew they sent me out here for nothing because you've been doing this long enough. But he was forced to come out to observe me talking safety to a group of people, <laughs> right? And wow. I was like, and so you get these instances or I, I literally remember this very vividly. The last construction project I was on, um, and if you've ever been on a large con- construction project, you see the work trailers. Mm-hmm. Well, you might see the single wide. Well, we would have the double wide with the single wide with the double wide in the back, all mm-hmm. sandwiched together. 
And so I walk in from, I, my office was in the back, so I did have office with a door and a window. And I walk, was walking to the front of the trailer and a man walks, he's like, hey, I'm looking for the admin Michelle to pick up some drawings. And I go, there isn't an admin Michelle, but there is an engineer Michelle. <laughs> never, never apologize. But I will, I'm very quick with it. And the men on my job was like, oh, I got Michelle this one time. I was like, so just because you passed the test, you know, once in class don't mean you're not going to fail. Right, and right. so they, they would always be like, man, I thought I had a good one. I was like, you did for three seconds. And so right. I could do things like that. It was well, well perceived. But at the same time, when I was in the office in New Jersey, <laughs> and I was at one of my um, teammates, cubicle and he's like michelle you have to keep it down um they don't like it you know we're talking out here to cube and he was talking about the people with the offices that had doors and i went well they have doors if i'm too loud they'll close them and he was like okay let's move to the conference <laughs> because because i was like how do you tell people that are in the cubicle to be quiet when you have a door if people in the other cube and so to me it was things that i would push in the organization and so and plus i didn't want to be in the new jersey office too but it was just things that I could do and wouldn't do um, differently. And so I've been in, a, been in a traditional office when I did technical sales, when I did technology transfer, when I did technology transfer, that was in Massachusetts and coming from the Carolinas, I didn't know there were places in the U.S. that was as white as Massachusetts uh, from the snow to the people. <laughs> right. So it was culture shock for me. But yeah, so that's, those are sort of, my experiences in the workplace. Cool, cool, cool. So transitioning from engineering, I know you, you touched on it briefly. How'd you transition from engineering to the tech space? And then, you know, I know you just mentioned sales. How'd you, how'd you make that transition? Um, I don't know if I made the transit. You, you're like, you're really just trying to figure things out. And so what was the biggest transition for me was really building community meeting other founders and going through an accelerator. So if you know Angela Benton, she ran the New Me Accelerator. So I did that accelerator in 2017. And so that gave me a network. It also gave me a framework to start working from to build my tech startup. Did I know what I was doing? Nobody knows what they're doing. Hello. Hold on one sec. Can you explain yeah. real quick what an accelerator is real quick for okay. an individual that may not know? Oh, yeah. So I'm going to talk some language. So, yeah, definitely. Right. Look, that's what I do. I slow you down. <laughs> yeah. But an accelerator helps you speed up the process of building your company, like really figuring out what is your um, your strategy for your marketing and sales. Who are you going to target for your sales? Um, which what how to how to really set up your brand. Right. Mm -hmm. And so people know who you are. So like. In that accelerator, I came up with the name for, for Positive Hire. Okay. Within that accelerator, I had the logo. I, I had some, I knew the size of the market I was targeting. I identified some of the um, competitors in the market at mm -hmm. that time. And okay. so what an accelerator gets you to do is make some of these assumptions about your problem, about your market, about pricing, about a service or product you're going to sell and go out and test it as quickly as possible and do iterations over and over and over again. And then guess what happens in all of this? The market shifts because a pandemic comes, there's a the murder of George Floyd, and all of this work that you've done may or may not work for you, 
right? And so then you pivot. You always see people like, what does a pivot mean? Meaning you adjust to the needs of your market. You can still be solving the same problem, but you're solving in a different way. You're like, how does that work? Well, if you have children, or maybe you remember being a child, um, at one point in time, you were irritated because your teeth were going, coming in. Then the next thing you know, your teeth are falling out. It's a different. <laughs> and so you pivot. You That's pivot. a good analogy. Yeah, you good pivot analogy. from something soft to like, oh, where's some floss I can pull out that tooth so I can get my dollar from the tooth fairy. I heard the tooth fairy has not heard about inflation because it should be about five dollars now <laughs> right, right that's what the accelerator does it really helps prepare you to really test out your business concept ideas much quicker gotcha so you did accelerators and then you push forward and then like you said all these things happen and um so now that now that you're you're structured what who was your like you said i know who your your focal point was so what made that your focal point when you started your business? What made the women, the, the minority women, your, your focal point? So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a back up a little bit. So Positive Hires, our mission is to connect Black, Latina, and Indigenous women who are experienced scientists, engineers, and technology professionals to management roles. And I add, and, and that became my poor audience of who I was solving the problem for. They're not going to pay me necessarily, mm -hmm. but they became the core audience because it's like, it's a pipeline problem. It's really a culture problem that pushes us out. And so when we look at women of color overall, about a third of us leave our engineering careers. And you're like, wow, that's a lot. It is, it's even worse than you think. When we look at the demographics, I'm just going to talk about women engineers. When we combine Black women, Hispanic women, and Native women together, we make up 3.9% of all engineers in the U.S. Wow. Three point, and out of a third of us leave, how do you grow that? And so that's why it became poor, because what happens was we had two fall-off points. We had the zero to three years, was early career. But we got to women that had about 12 years of experience, and they were leaving to never come back. Like, oh, I'm going to go ahead. No, like, they're never coming back. And I was like, hold up, hold up, hold up. If we can keep the women that have the 10 years of experience and they aren't getting the promotions, the accolades, the notice, the training, the promotion, if we can keep them, then the women that are zero to three years are more than likely to stay. The women in college are seeing the women from three. It's a backwards effect. Yeah, there was a pipeline back. Exactly. But gotcha. no really talking about the women that are 10 plus years in, because if they do, guess what happens? Mm -mm. Employers have to be held accountable for what happens to, well, we couldn't find anybody for the manager role. What she, she said, who? I don't see her. And so, <laughs> you, know, you get what I'm saying? And so there have been organizations that have literally done studies. One is Women in Technology International. They did a study in the 90s. Right. They were created out of Silicon Valley. Of a mother and a son started this this um, professional organization to help recruit women into tech roles. They did a study where organizations were complaining in the 90s that they could not find women for management roles. And they showed in their study there were women that had been with these companies 10, 15, 20 years had not been promoted. But you wow. can't find them, but they're sitting in your organization. And so 
and they call that the glass step. So we hear the glass ceiling. These women couldn't get a step into the next promotion. Right now it's called the missing rung, but it's pretty much how do women advance in right. their careers? And it's missing rungs, like the whole ladder is just split and there are no rungs, but the bottom one for a lot of black women, for Latinas and indigenous women, especially in tech and engineering. Wow. So you said it was only 3%. Then 3.9. We almost had four. Almost at four. But then you said a third of those people. Yep. Wow. That's 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 next to nothing if you if you look at the scheme of things. <laughs> it is very small. I mean but powerful. Right, right, right. So what you know, without giving all your trade secrets away, what are some of the things that you've done? to become visible to these organizations and say, hey, we here. What what you know, what are you doing to say these people are experienced, they're qualified. What, you know, what so and then what are your responses? So that's a two part question. What are you doing and then what are, are the responses that you get? I, I love this question. I play in spaces where these people who say they can't find the people who don't exist in this in a spot that a lot of people call boring call linkedin so what happens is i literally started doing pre-covid back in way back in 2017 mm -hmm. right before the movie hidden figures dropped i started doing a virtual summit called women of color in stem virtual summit every february during engineer national engineers Week. don't worry about it i nerd a lot and <laughs> what i started doing was also promoting creating graphics of black women, native women, Latinas, who were in science, technology, and engineering, or STEM for short, and sharing them on social. And women saying thank you, and other people in the industry like, oh, wow, I didn't know this. I've even had recruiters show up for our webinars, but we do monthly webinars mm -hmm. to help these women grow their soft skills because they're technically excellent. And so now I get HR people, human resources professionals, recruiters, hiring managers, to attend my virtual events because the women show up there mm. because that's where they're being served. That's where they're being fed. That's where they find community. That's where they're being heard and they're being supported. And so by serving the audience that others can't find, really bought the audience that said they couldn't find them. At, and then at the same time, I do outreach on social media. Mm. Um, I'm hosting another virtual summit. I do the Women of Color and STEM virtual summit in February. And then I host a, a summit for employers in September. And then in between, I do all sorts of uh, different virtual events for the women. Usually we do it on a Zoom that's private. And then for the employers, I will do a mix of private and live streams. So I'll do a LinkedIn Live about something. And then I do an, a small executive roundtable to discuss the issue employers are having in the workplace. And so those are generally... I focus mostly on one channel, which is LinkedIn. You'll see me over on Twitter and stuff like, uh, we make it and just share it over there. But really focus on one channel. Um, and we focus mostly on manufacturing companies. And people are like, okay. who wants to work in manufacturing? Well, we're in the South. Right. That's what it F. Manufacturing is huge here, right? Um, and gotcha. in the state of South Carolina, we have over 4,000 manufacturers from small mom and pops to Mercedes Benz and BMW's there, right? BMW Michelin. Michelin. Yeah. <laughs> we have Honda here. Yeah. Quads for Honda. 
I just want to clarify. We do the quads. Don't come okay, with okay. the car. You'll get your feelings hurt. But we have Goodyear here. We have Kimberly Clark. We have Boeing down in Charleston. Right. And so you, we have a gamut of large employers. There are suppliers and there are small mom and pops. Mm-hmm. And what we find is a lot of women now are going over to tech companies, right? Mm. So why? The pay is better, number one. I won't say the culture is better, but the pay is better. But in order for these older more traditional companies like a General Electric or GE to mm. do, they have to make changes in order to not only attract this talent, but retain that talent. And so we teach them how to utilize data, um, not just diverse, diversity recruitment, we do that. And also people analytics, which is, which is really focused on analyzing their employee data, and then also utilizing our software pH balance to help them look at it in an intersectional lens. And what I mean by intersectionality, you identify as a black man, I identify as a black woman. If we work for the same employer, both of us are engineers, what does the data say about our careers within that organization? Mm-hmm. What does it say about our salaries? What does it say about promotions and trainings? And so we look, we help organizations really focus on understanding how the journeys can be very different for black men to Latinas, to Latino, to black women, to white men, to white women. And so parents, you're a parent, right? I'm not. Maybe my career looks better because I'm not a mother. But generally that doesn't work. It it generally works when you're a father, you get paid more. (laughs) (laughs) So those are the things that we look at when it comes to data, which is why we're doing our virtual summit um, at the end of this week on Thursday and Friday on September 29th and 30th really talking about how to use data to retain and develop, because we don't get developed, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. underrepresented talent and underrepresented employees. And that's really something that's missing in the workplace. And so that's what we're talking about. um, Since you just just popped it up, how can people uh, participate in your summit? Sure. They can go to diverse. I'm sorry. Diversity data, diversity data dot positive hire dot co. We are not a dot com. We are dot see somebody else on that. We won't pay them. I won't pay them. But it's, <laughs> it's diversity data dot positive hire and that's H I R E, not red man, method man hire so, <laughs> dot co. So dot co. Uh, so that's where you can go to register for the summit. Okay. Now, is this for strictly for women or is men or employers? Who is this no, for? it is not for women. It's not for men. It's not for employ- just employers. We get a lot of, um, again, a mix of people that's coming in. I have a brother out of the city of Pittsburgh who does workforce development for uh, a government organization. And so he's speaking. So you can come out of the government focus on workforce development and and what does that look like? And the things that he's really done like $300 million in revenue within that region. He generated that, right? Um, Getting 2,500 employers onto a job board, right? And so bringing in people in different aspects, I have a young sister coming out of uh, the Bay. Mm -hmm. She works for Nordstrom's. She is a logistics manager in one of the warehouses. And she is going to talk about how she is trying to help retain talent, especially among millennials, and what does that look like 
for her because she didn't know what it was. She's like, well, y'all need to be doing X, Y, and Z, but it's certain things in HR language that you say. So she's a manager managing people. And she had, like, I'm losing my people. We have to stop this. <laughs> right. um, and then we have um, HR professionals, employee experience professionals, diversity, equity, inclusion professionals. We have um, another tech founder whose mm. technology focuses on measuring inclusion. Like, how do you oh. measure inclusion? Yeah, it's <laughs> and so wow. you, yeah. Um, we have a another sister coming out of New York. Mm. She has a math her undergrad degree from the, she graduated in the nineties. Her undergraduate degree was um, math. Her minor was computer science. She's okay. been dealing with data since the late nineties. Wow. So you you know Nielsen ratings. Some of us listening like we remember Nielsen ratings. So they used to yeah. see a dollar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They see a dollar. I still got some dollars laying around somewhere. She literally created the data tables and information that her employer at the time sold to Nielsen. I I tell you not. That was her customer. A sister did that. A sister did that. A sister did that for years. But we we don't know these things. Look, she did the grandma tactic. You know, you know, grandma give you something for a dollar down here in the South. You think you got a million. She did the grandma tactic and met and, and look at this. Look at this. But some people from North Carolina, y'all might be related. Yeah, yeah, man, that's crazy. That is yeah. wild. So yeah, that's dope. that's that's good information. I'm glad you you shared that with me because I ne- I never knew that because like I said, I get the get the things all the time, and I'm like, sometimes I do it, sometimes I be like, eh. <laughs> yep, to run that. Yeah, but yeah, that's wild. So um, someone wanted to reach you and connect with you. On a different level, can you tell somebody how to reach you as well? Sure. The platform again that you, that is the easiest to find me on is LinkedIn, but it's hard to find me. So my name is Michelle Hayward. You're going to want to spell it like M- Michelle Obama. Do not. I know we're both. <laughs> yes, I do. But I'm Michelle with one L, and it's Hayward H E Y. Like, hey y'all. Yeah. Um, w A R D. So you can find me on LinkedIn. The easiest. Uh, Michelle C. Hayward on Twitter, Instagram, and other platforms. But if you really want to reach me, LinkedIn is going to be the best place to reach out okay. to me. Okay. Got you. Got you. Got you. Yeah. So push it for a little bit. So what? Tell, tell me a horror story that you experienced. And look, none, none that's not too triggering, but tell me a horror story that you experienced since you've been reaching out to these companies and trying to push them to change their mindset yeah. per se. Let, let's see. No name. I won't, I won't mention any Look, name. Look, tri- look, as we say on Clubhouse, trigger warning. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, no trigger warnings, mm-hmm. but it's organizations that too often reach out like, okay, we're ready for diversity, equity, inclusion. We want to start with unbiased, unconscious bias training. Okay. And I'll go, why unconscious bias training? And for whatever reason, people believe that's where you should start. Right. And I always go back, well, let's do an assessment uh, of your organization's processes and procedures to determine where you should start. Okay. And they're like, well, no, no, we just want to do a training. Like, no, 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 you may not even need the training. Why are you paying for a training you may not need? Right. And so you get these people that automatically know what they know but don't know where they need to begin right and so oftentimes it's like okay well, what are your goals 
and they don't have goals. They just see everybody else doing it. And so essentially what you're saying is I'm wasting my time. You don't have a goal. <laughs> Your budget is a thousand dollars. Uh-huh. Right? Okay. Um, you want me to show up multiple times if you want, even if you want to pay me. And that's generally what we get in in this space oftentimes, uh, if we're on the consulting side as right. well for diverse safety and inclusion, is the budgets are so low. Like they pay more for a speaker to come in to actually do the work. And so that's wow. the hardest part is people not valuing the work that we do. And somebody gotcha. asked me one time, how do I do my pricing? I said, well, I forex it what a white woman does and I add 400 years of reparations. <laughs> like, oh. I said, I'd never come in cheap. I would right. never be to Walmart, ever. Right. Right. I said, it's very important to understand your ability to, to do this type of work and then be able to decompress from, from working with people that don't understand racism, don't understand how it is systemically built in in the not only the US but in the world, anti-blackness. Right. How do you decompress and not lose yourself? Right? Right, right, right. And I like you you have to have a great phenomenal team on the back end and they're not gonna be cheap. And so you have right. to pay not just for your time and services, but the people that need to service you as well for right. you to keep doing the work. And so too often I get, you see these really horrible budgets. Like I took it, I was like, I can't. Right, like, right, I'll, right. Go, I'll, I'll find something else. And so that's really the hardest part. People yeah. assuming they know what they want and assuming you're going to do it for two cents on the dollar. And Black Women's Equal Payday was just the other day. Yeah. And we lost more money. Oh, the, wow. Like the, the pay gap widened. Yeah. 65 cents, depending which one you looked at. Was, last year was 63 cents and 65 cents. Now we about 58 cents. Yeah, yeah. we... 53 to 58 cents depending on who, whose calculations are. like yeah we yeah i I'm, I'm not lowering my prices that's not what i do we can negotiate some stuff but right. yeah so it's really so is it so they don't see the value in your company or they just want to devalue your company which which one you, which one do you think they don't see, they don't see the value okay. in the work doing. so a lot of companies are doing it because it's the end thing to do and they can't rate, wait till the world gets back to normal and and because you have people that are at the leadership saying, oh, HR, I handle it. It's not an HR issue. Right. And so one of the frameworks that I like to work with with companies is the International Organization of Standardizations Framework for Diversity and Inclusion. They released it actually a, just over a year ago. Okay. It doesn't focus just on HR. It doesn't focus just on um, supplier diversity. Okay. They go through all your processes and procedures. They say who's accountable for this change in your organization. Oh. And it blows people's mind. It's like, oh, what, 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 what do you mean accountability? So somebody's name needs to go there? Yeah, somebody's name needs to go. And their email address and their job title and the due date. Oh. Of what, yeah, and people are shook because gotcha. they if they push all the responsibility either on DNI, diversity and inclusion, or the chief diversity officer, or mm-hmm. HR. And that is who has typically been the fall person when things didn't go well. Right. And now we're like, oh no, that's not how this works here. And, and, <laughs> and it changes the conversation when, yeah. it brings, when it brings an action. I'm not saying it's a perfect framework, right. but what I'm saying is it looks like looks at the totality of the organization 
HR is still a good chunk of it. But when you talk about a product, and, and I used this example a few years ago in a General Motors plant in Ohio, it came out about the racism that Black employees encountered, like a noose being hung up in the plant. Right. Um, black, pe- black employees be called the N-word. Now, imagine if you bought a GMC vehicle that came out of that plant during that time period and you keep taking it back and forth to the dealership. You're having recalls on that, on that make and model come out of that plant. It right. is no longer an HR issue. Right, right. And people don't think about racism on that level. They don't think about diversity and inclusion on that level. And it really is on that level on how much it impacts right. everything within inside an organization, not just an HR issue. Yeah. And and that's why I like I like this framework from ISO. That's, that's pretty dope the way you just broke that down because a lot of people wouldn't, like you said, look at it long term as far as the production of your company. If someone is uncomfortable in the workplace, you're not going to get the best quality of work from that yep. person, from anybody. Exactly. You know what I mean? If someone distressed, worried about going to lunch or what's going to happen when I get off of work today and all this other stuff. And yeah, the quality of work is just going to be horrible. Absolutely. So, and then you don't realize, like you said, then your quality product, your product goes down and then boom, your business, your, look, your bottom line, look, you start bothering your, that bottom line, people start listening then. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And so I really, really like where that framework is going. And we're seeing some shifts in insurance too. We're okay. in... What a lot of people don't know is companies actually carry insurance for claims of racism and sexism. They carry insurance. Oh. Yes. Um, oh. So one of, one of the speakers that we have, she's, she has to start up, Ulu Story. She is actually a lawyer. She was also a chief human resource officer. And she and I, she talks about, she's been an experience when an organization has been sued for an EEOC Equal Employment Opportunity Commission claim that has been filed with with the commission and how they carry like a million dollars of insurance. Like, well, that's only about so many claims because you have to build HR investigation time to it. You have to build legal time to it. Um, And then if you pay out that, that employee or former employee, right, what does that look like? And so you can only do that, that million dollars only pays for so many cases in one year. But imagine if the insurance company, like, you know what? Before we're going to approve this million dollar policy, we're going to need you to go through this assessment. And then we're going to need you to follow through with the strategy that this company, we were going to recommend you hire. Those companies are like, yo, don't, don't do that. So these things, we're looking to see what the insurance industry is really going to do when it comes to this policy. Will they do everything? I think they should do. Probably not. But I'm seeing some changes, not only in the U.S., but globally around that insurance. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's how, you know, the boys in blue should be regulated as well, because yes. if, if if that, you know, if if that continues to happen, and like I said, you mess with anybody's bottom line, yeah, you, you affecting their livelihood. You know what I'm saying? So you still mess with, with some people's livelihood, then they're like, eh, we got to make a change. <laughs> Real quick and in, in a hurry. Real okay. quick. Because I've seen some local companies, you know, it'd it be an employee running off at their mouth. 
Next thing you know, the owner of the company came on Facebook Live and was like, we ain't have nothing to do with that because they already know the bulk of their, their business comes from minorities. And so for that one employee represent your company, they like, uh-uh, he did damage control real quick. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and um, like I said, that does make a difference. And I'm, I'm glad you're taking the initiative to, uh, to help individuals such as yourself. You know, like I said, you went through the, you went through the footwork of, of experiencing it because some people that never experienced things like that, they feel like because they, they're in the six figure bracket or they're in this tax bracket today, they're okay. You know what I mean? But then don't realize their counterpart beside them's making twice as much as they're making. You know yeah. what I mean? For the same job, and you're doing more work. Well, not even the same job per se. You're doing more work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, you know, I, I I'd like for you to bring it to some people's attention because some people just don't feel like they're feel. You know, they feel like the the money portion of of their job. Like, well, I, I made it per se. You know, quote unquote. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I hate that for some people, you know, because I, I, I seen it in the nursing industry, I seen it in so many different industries here that people, you know, they feel like once they break a certain dollar amount personally, that they're that they made it, but don't realize that dude over there is is the general manager's nephew, and he's making three times more than you without a degree, without all the education that you have, and you're doing all of his work. Exactly, exactly. And making them look good. It it was last night the conversation we had around quiet quitting and how black people have been doing it for a while. We didn't call it quiet quitting, but after you train somebody to be your boss two or three times and they won't give you the the promotion, guess what? I'm not gonna do all this work. Yeah, no. That's that's not about what's what's gonna happen. And so I think it's it's really important to understand what's going on. And to say you made it, I would say being from being having been a six-figure earner, what the, the difference is you don't check your bank account. Right. You are not stressed about paying your bills. Right. But the thing is, everything else is the same. Usually when you start making that money, it's fewer people that even look like you. Right. And so you may be the only one. So it's a it is, it can be very traumatizing. So if they're putting up that front, I hope they're in a great culture and it really is good for them. And, I, and, I, and I'm truly sincere about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. After a while, let me tell you how many people I know. It's like, yo, I got, I just walked out. I had money in the bank. I don't have another job. I just couldn't do it another day. And they will literally quit because they've been able to stack that much money up. Um, they don't have a lot of debt. Get debt free. <laughs> like, you, you got a cash stacked up. You don't have that debt. You One of the two or both. Yeah. Wow. So- I, look, I.e. my son. My son did that. And then, like I said, I'm not going to talk about the company he worked for, but same, one day he was just like, Dad, he said, well, I, I forgot what happened. It was an incident. And he, you know, he, he played football. He actually played football at Wofford down in Spartanburg. Okay. And um, he played football there. And, um, you know, he, he got some tough skin playing sports. And, you know, because you you always get criticized when you're on the football field. Why you miss that tackle? So he uh, he got some pretty tough skin. But for my child to come to me one day and say, Dad, this world is so cutthroat out here with this business I'm in. You know what I'm saying? And he was just like, he it was weighing on because he he was like, he was getting calls from other companies to try to get him to come, come work for him and all this other stuff because he was making this company 
so much money. And um, he's like, Dad, I just don't, I don't want to do it no more. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But he picked up a trade. You know, he picked up a trade. And, like, he was at that th six-figure threshold. And um, he left six-figure corporate America job. Now he's a barber. But he's, you know, he's still making that type of income now. Now, he, and like I said, he learned a lot of things from corporate America. And he just transitioned over to his business. And, and making the same amount of money with less of a headache, doing something he enjoyed doing. And it's like, you know, he like they was like, Oh, you're gonna leave this money, you know, you'll be back and da 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 da. He like, nah. <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, he it. did it right before the pandemic. And it, you know, and like you said, it's all about stacking and planning. You know, he had stacked enough dough. So when he when the pandemic hit, he was just like, Whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm good. But I yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I say I see so many people like that. It's like, especially the millennials, like they, they'll quit a job in a heartbeat. <laughs> they're yes, not, they're but, not taking it. But they also have that parent and that safety net a lot of Gen Xers yeah. have, and so the, they may have a Gen X parent or a Boomer parent, like, okay, don't worry about it, come home, yeah. or we'll take care, we'll figure it out, and so they are having. As we say, they're the Cosby Show kids. They have that yeah, different... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got their backing, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's something we didn't have Gen Xers, especially. Right. We're close to it. I'm the, I'm at the tail end. They like to call me a Zillennial. I said, no, I'm a Gen Xer. Don't put them extra... Right, 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 right. But, and so they have that. And I just say that because I have a nephew, um, and he knows he can come home anytime. Um, right, right. But he also knows his parents are cheap. So don't be, <laughs> extra, don't be, when you borrow the car, better come back on uh, on full or whatever it was. And you right, right, it. right. And so it's still values you instill in them, yeah, but you yeah. also instill in them not to be disrespected. Exactly. Not, you don't have to stay here and suffer in silence. Exactly. Um, and it is okay to quit. It, it's okay to leave. You're not quitting. You're yeah. walking away from trauma. And, yeah. and I think that is the biggest thing that has been instilled. They're like, but well, these millennials, like, they didn't learn that on their own. They were taught not to do it, right? right? Right. And we give them a lot of that room and space because that's what we crave and right. we need, desire. And I think that's the other thing people miss when they talk about millennials. I can't believe it. Like, what well, didn't you teach them X one? Like, when you right. <laughs> don't take that mess. <laughs> didn't you tell? Yeah, and 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 it shows up even as an adult, and, and parents forget that yeah. sometimes. But even in the workspace, you know, um, I, I had a conversation with my father. My father worked for the government for almost 40 years but, because he was city police in Washington, D.C. Then, you know, they did the, the re-something. And then he ended up working. He became an engineer as well, a civil engineer as well. Um, all like I said, almost, I think it was 35 years. And, you know, I had to break it down to him because his last probably 10 years, I turn over, you know, with these young guys coming in out of school and this and the other. He's like, these guys, they don't want to work, da, 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 da. I was like, I said, Dad, I said, those employees of 20 plus years, unless you're probably in the military, that's going to be non-existent. I was yep. like, because you walk out the door, like I know people live in Charlotte, they do the, they do the carousel between the banks. <laughs> they go to Wells, they go to Bank of America, and they're the truest. They just do the carousel. They'll leave and come back with the same job just for increase of pay. You know what exactly. I mean? So it's like now it's like that those days are gone. You know, uh, like I said, unless you're in the military, I don't force anybody staying anywhere 20 plus years anymore. 
not a, not the same job, maybe in the same industry, but not the same job. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I don't foresee that happening. Yeah, but yeah, but um, look, I know you got other things to do. I really appreciate you, but before I go, like me, um, because my show is building rich, intelligent culture, keeping it simple. Okay. You got to drop a nugget to these to these individuals out here to help help keep them motivated, keep them going. And uh, I want to hear something from you, Miss Haywood, okay. <laughs> from South Carolina. <laughs> Where is that? So one one nugget I would I would share with you is especially if you have even if you don't have a college degree, you don't need that that cert necessarily that certification that degree for the promotion. You are enough where you are. Maybe overlooking you not valuing the work you bring go somewhere else it is okay if you can to go somewhere else a lot of places are doing hybrid or even remote work take the chance take the leap and really go after a change for what you need for your mental health your your overall um health and well-being as well as your financial health for you and your family so take that chance take the leap and go somewhere else i highly highly encourage you to do that Ooh, I like that because <laughs> a lot of people don't. They just, they feel so, uh, and like, you know, uh, it's, it's a, it's an unfortunate, it's fortunate, unfortunate. And we're so compassionate at times and we're so loyal at times, you know, and <laughs> I hate to say it, like they, they treat us good. They feed us on Sunday. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, and, um, I, like I said, it, 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 there are some good people out here, generally good employee, yeah. good, good employers. However, yeah. you still have to feed your family. You still have to take care of you and yours, first and foremost. And if they're a good employer, they're going to understand that you have to move on if you can't accommodate, if they can't accommodate your salary for you to have a livable wage. You Absolutely. know, so, so I, 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 um, the same way you lord, that should be lord to you, and that's the way I feel like. Say that again. Loyal <laughs> to you, I love that. Yeah. Forget we forget that. Like, well, you should be thankful you have a job. Oh, really? Oh, you should be thankful for me. Yeah, thankful. I show up every day. How about <laughs> let's see what happens when you all of a sudden don't show up? They will blow you. You don't need me. Remember, you don't need me. Yo, and, and look. Uh, and look, I'm gonna say this right here, and then I'm gonna, then I'm gonna let you get up out of here. So you remember they was talking about increasing the wages of the, the fast food employees. Yes. Now, here I don't know about there, but here, some of these restaurants they're so limited employees they're closing down at seven o'clock in the evening. Yep. Or six o'clock in the evening they're doing a the breakfast, lunch, partial dinner time, and now. The people that was working over here in some of these industries here, they're complaining. Oh my God, the Bojangles is closed. Oh my God, Burger King's closed. Da da da. But y'all is complaining. They don't deserve this money. Yeah. But you don't realize how long, how much you rely on some of these blue collar workers Absolutely. on a day to day basis because you don't work at your job. You want somebody to continue to work <laughs> after you don't work to make sure that your family is fed. And then you know they it was, they was, they complaining. Well, why are they closed? Why are they closed? But they don't. They can't work. You can't work them to death. 
Nope. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely not. And and it, looking at the last time minimum wage was increased, right? Probably teenagers, early twenties. If you're, yeah. if, if you wondering what, yeah, no, yeah, Let, yeah, let's yeah. have a reality check. Let's let, let yeah, let let's like I said. Sometimes you have to step out of your shoes, put yourself, put somebody else's shoes on for a little bit, and figure out how to how to walk. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, like I said, Michelle, it's been great talking to you. Um, look, I know, look, I know you have your um, event this week. Many blessings. I'm going to share it on all my platforms, and um, you know, we're going to make it a success together. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm going to try to join in as well. So, I really appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No problem. And like I said, until next time, people. This is Charlemagne, Brick City. Don't forget to follow me on all platforms. Talk to y'all soon. Peace. summer with AC Pro and O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, get a $15 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card after mail-in rebate with the purchase of select AC Pro ready-to-use refrigerant products that include a hose and gauge. Beat the heat before you hit the road with AC Pro at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Lucky Land Slots, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.